Greetings and salutations, and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. My name is Patrick Finn. I'm here in the Zen Room with the voluptuous Tommy Gibbons. Hey, bitches. <laughs> How are you, Tommy? Did we have a discussion about the voices in <laughs> yes, like I October? Did. Yeah, I did, but I just I was in the mood. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like you were in some kind of mood. And you wonder why people said pornography. Mm, yeah. Or requests for Yes, because picks. of my sexy, silky voice on yeah. the podcast. Picks That's all why. types. Yeah, I guess so. How are you, sir? I'm tired tonight. Tired? I'm tired. You're tired from what? It was a long weekend. Okay. Busy at work? Busy at work. Yeah, a lot of performances. It. Okay. It was uh, over four days. Oh, wow. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, 11 performances. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot to cover. A lot to cover. Definitely. So I'm tired today, bitches. Oh, you're entitled, I'm huh? old. Well, I can't we knew do that, shit like that please. No Damn. <laughs> Shit's crazy. Yes, it is. I went to Restaurant Depot before today. Ooh, how exciting. It's just this massive, ridiculous place. It's like a big warehouse of yeah, and half restaurant of goods, fully, right? Like, half of it, right in the dead center of it, is refrigerated. Frozen. Okay. It's like a freezer. Yeah. Like this walk, ginormous walk-in freezer with aisles. Okay. And refrigerators. And it's cold as fuck. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a whole shit. Damn. Yeah, I didn't have no uh Gazing in manual labor. Manual labor. My age. My God. My condition. I'm surprised you didn't come here in a wheelchair tonight. I'm in a wheelchair with wheels. Where's your oxygen tent? Yeah, it'll be soon enough. <laughs> The old man in the plastic bubble. Yes. Well, it is day 95 here in the 95. Zen Room. We are now on our 31st episode. Oh, wow. Yes. And not only that, March saw our biggest number of downloads so far. March it is. In our short existence on the online or whatever. We have been downloaded in 24 countries. Okay. And in 40 states. 40 states. 40 states we've been listening to. In. All right, now tell me the good news about Alabama. Well, the state, well, but it's a, well, the top states, aside from New York, Alabama is number one. No way. Yes, it is. Followed by good Virginia. You, Alabama. What's that? Virginia. Go ahead. Virginia. Pennsylvania. Texas. Florida. Massachusetts. California. Illinois. New Jersey. And Iowa. Those are the top 10 states. That's crazy. Right? Iowa, Texas, New Hampshire doesn't surprise me. Virginia doesn't surprise me. Pennsylvania doesn't surprise me. Texas? Texas is in there, yeah. What'd you say? Idaho? I Iowa? Said, uh, Illinois and Iowa. Iowa. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. And our top locations where we listen to is Bayshore, is number one as far as domestically. Okay, okay. Which Bayshore. kind of makes sense. Bayshore, Long Island yeah. here. But outside of New York, the number one listening area is in the Mobile, Alabama area. Okay, so like we were Specifically Spanish Fort. That's where the downloads supposedly are occurring. Okay. Quite a lot of them. You know how much I love that word. Which that, Which word? Spanish. Sp- Spanish Fort, okay. Yeah, was, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we need a road trip to Alabama. Okay. And I think that, uh, what was it, Bebop's? Bebop's Downtown. Bebop's Downtown should... Uh, Let us do a live podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, put us up in some sort of run-down side road 
We don't need anything too fancy. Yeah, you know? no, can I, can we're not please? fussy. I'll park the car. Give well, we're a little fussy. <laughs> I'd like to poop indoors. If you know, if, I think if, that could be arranged. If you can swing that, Bee Bobs, Bee Bobs, Bee Bobs downtown, Bee Bobs downtown. All right, all right, get on that, Bob. <laughs> But also, after the United States, the top countries listening to us, the top five countries are India, yes. the United Kingdom, okay. Canada, New Zealand, and Australia. Okay, so we need an interpreter. <laughs> well, we are listening to in other countries, but these are the top five. These have the greatest amount of frequency of downloads. Okay, so in other countries... We're, we're listening to in Brazil, Libya, South Africa, Malaysia... Okay, I want to go to Brazil. You want to go to Brazil? I want to go to Brazil. Yes, I remember you've mentioned that before, yeah, I think. we can go right from the Alabama experience to okay. Brazil. Mobile to Brazil. Mobile to, <laughs> what's the name of that city? San Paulo. Spanish Sao Paulo. Fort. Spanish oh, Fort to Sao Paulo. To Sao Paulo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. let's do that. You want to refresh on what states are not listening to us? Sure. Let me guess a few. Okay. West Virginia. Correct. Where, where where the Mormons are? Utah. No, no. We have listeners in we have Utah. Listeners in yes, Utah. we do. Some kinky Mormons. Um, <laughs> uh, Jersey. No, no. Jersey's in our top ten. Oh, okay. I must have missed that. Yeah. Michigan. No, no Michigan. Michigan no, they got us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, South Dakota, North Dakota. Oh, Wyoming. bingo on both of those. Yeah. South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming. Uh, no, Wyoming. Oh, yeah, no, Wyoming. No one listens in no the Wyoming. Listens in Wyoming. It's cowboy I'm country. I want to say Montana too. No, no, Montana, they've listened to us. Okay. Wow. But yeah, it's, uh, you already named the Dakotas and Wyoming and uh, West Virginia. It also includes Vermont, Mississippi, Nebraska, and New Mexico. Okay, so, all right, so your corn feds in your Nebraska there. I always forget about Nebraska. And we're not big in cowboy country. Yeah, the cowboys wouldn't <laughs> like us. <laughs> well, um, they might. They're too busy up in New Hampshire trying to stay warm. No, New Hampshire listens to us. New Hampshire knows Vermont. Vermont, Vermont. Vermont, yeah. They got syrup to make, so they're busy. (laughs) They're busy up there in Vermont. You know, lots of trees. Anyway, we're very thankful to all the people who do listen to us. Yeah, I guess. You know, you don't say anything to us, but you don't talk to us. I know. They never make comments or anything back. All I get is offers on pornography. Well, that's because of your sexy voice. Yeah, that must be it. We now move on to our first segment of the evening, which is heavy petting. But tonight's kind of a sad story to start off with. You're not going to like this story. I told you about this. I know, but it's a story that should be mentioned because it made all the main news outlets. In the town of Borodyanka, which is northwest of Kiev in Ukraine, there was a shelter there to house 485 dogs. They were basically left in their cages without food and water from the start of the war on February 24th until April 1st when the shelter's workers were able to get access back into the shelter. Of the 485 dogs, only 150 survived. That's crazy. Just awful. That's awful. Of the ones that did survive, 27 of those dogs in the gravest condition were being transferred to private clinics for treatment. And the charity down there, I forget what it's called was offering the equivalent of $1,700 for people to adopt the other surviving dogs. Wow. That's, I guess, you know, just just awful. It is awful. Just awful. And I bet there's 100 stories just like it. Well, like I said, I mean, there's a video also taken the week before in this town called Vel- Velika, 
hope I'm pronouncing it right. My yeah, apologies. You can't possibly be. But video shows in, in this town of dogs in front of these homes or in the yards of homes all shot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well. It's like, yeah. you know, they're doing it to the humans. I guess they're doing it to their dogs, too, you uh, know? It's awful. Just it's killing indiscriminately. It's, awful. it's really awful. As we keep reminding in every episode, if you want to do something to help, want to donate money to help these animals in Ukraine, especially the ones that are coming over the border now into the refugee camps, go to our website, www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com, and go to our blog entry called Dogs of War, and you can donate to any of the three charities that I have listed there. That's crazy. Right? Awful. But I don't want to end this on a bad note, so I do have some good news story. In West Virginia, there's a new program between the state and a group called Friends with Paws. Not that anybody in West Virginia is going to hear about this. No, but... uh, So Puppy Paws. Yep. Anyway, dogs are going to be placed in schools in counties where students are disproportionately affected by poverty... Substance abuse or other at-risk situations. Okay. Uh, these are like st- stress dealing with dogs? Exactly. Okay. Basically to help any students who, who have anxiety for whatever reasons, they now have therapy dogs. Their initial goal right now is to place 10 dogs in West Virginia schools by the end of this year. Don't seem like near enough. Well, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a beginning of the program, you know? It's also one of the poorest states in the union. Yes, it? it is. Definitely is. So if they're, if they're aiming for... Maybe Senator Joe Manchin can Poverty. donate some money and uh, help Joe with this Manchin. program instead of putting all that money in his freaking yacht, whatever he has down there. It depends on what corporation is going to benefit the most from the dogs going to the poorest state in the poorest sections right of the country. Right. Uh, so if there's, a, if there's a big corporate payoff, then Joe Manchin will be down. Otherwise, I know, right? But otherwise, forget about yeah, they're no, on their own. No. But I think it's a great idea, as we had discussed last week about therapy the dogs homes. and the funeral homes. Right. And what a great idea. So now it's being extended into a school program, which is excellent, I think. There should be a dog in every building. Right. A dog in every room. Yeah. A chicken in every pot. <laughs> so thus we will conclude with heavy petting and move on to your favorite segment, today's birthday. Which I'm looking forward to after the depressing ass petting thing you just did. <laughs> Sorry. It was awful. That was awful. Well, now I gotta worry about dead people's birthdays. Go ahead. Who was born today? <laughs> well, as you know, we have been honoring this month as for its recognition of Jazz, Jazz Appreciation Jazz Month. Jazz Appreciation Month, yes. We've been posting daily tributes on our Facebook and Twitter feeds. Okay. And today's, uh, we honor the birthday of tenor saxophonist Stanley Torrentine. Oh, wow. He was born in Pittsburgh his dad was a saxophonist in a group called the Savoy Sultans. His mother played a type of jazz piano called stride piano. Never heard of it. It basically it involves uh, use of the left hand, similar to what's, how it's used in ragtime uh, piano playing. Okay. And his brother Tommy became a professional trumpet player. All right. But uh, his, and his only formal training in, in music occurred when he was, he was in the military in the 1950s. He left the military in 1959 and joined the band of famed drummer Max Roach. So he got musical training in in the armed services. Yep. Okay. Exactly. He well, formal training. Formal you know? training. He probably learned to read music and you know things like that. Where well, he, before that he probably learned on his own, just listening by ear. I don't in know. The army. Yep. From they do that still. What's that? Do they still do that? I don't know. They I, gotta have a band. right? I'm sure they do. Yeah. Huh. I would think. Yeah. Anyway, from 1960 to 1971, he was married to jazz organist Shirley Scott, known as the Queen of the Organ. Oh, dear. Does Stephen know about that? He's going to be very upset. 
<laughs> Somebody took his title. He re- <laughs> oh, damn. It's going to be an issue. Mm, it's all right. She's dead, so he can claim the title. Okay. All right. Anyway, he released over 60 recordings from 1960 to 1999, as well as appearing on recordings as a sideman to many jazz performers. And he died of a stroke at age 66. Where? I don't know where. When? In 2000. Oh, dear. Would you like to hear a piece of his music? Sure. Let's play play some music. I do actually have something lined up that we can listen to. It's a brief excerpt. This is from his 1963 album, Never Let Me Go. It's called God Bless the Child. Oh, I love this. And he's playing with Shirley Scott on organ. Okay. That's nice. Right? That's nice. Right? I love the saxophone. Yeah. Great instrument. So, happy birthday to Stanley Turrentine. Good on you, Stanley. Right. (laughs) Our next birthday... She's also dead. Also dead. Born today on 1908. She was born in Lowell, Massachusetts. Her dad was a patent attorney. Her parents separated when she was seven years old. Her mother took her and the other kids to New York City in 1921, where her mom worked as... What? Betty Davis. Betty Davis is correct. My God, you got that fast. Uh, I know from Betty Davis. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think... Well, you got that from all the early bio information, too. My God. Betty Davis. Very good. I'll give us a little bit more bio information for our listeners. She was inspired to pursue acting after she saw a production of Ibsen's The Wild Duck that was inspired by the performance of actress Peg and Twistle. I don't know if you're familiar with that name. Peg and Twistle? Yes. She became famous for jumping off the H of the Hollywoodland sign and oh. committing suicide in 1932. Okay. I think they that they were making a film of that in the... Uh, Right, the, right in the, the Hollywood, Ryan in the Hollywood, Murphy, yes, Ryan, Ryan Murphy Ryan, series, Hollywood, Ryan. and they were supposed to be making a movie about that. But that's who inspired her to pursue acting. She auditioned for George Cooker's stock theater company. He didn't accept her, but got her a job as a chorus girl in the play, which was her first paid acting job. She debuted on Broadway in 1929, the play Broken Dishes. In 1930, she moved to Hollywood. She had a brief contract with Universal Studios, where she made her film debut in 1931's The Bad Sister. After Universal declined to renew her contract, she was preparing to move back to New York when an actor named George Arliss got her cast in the 1932 Warner Brothers film The Man Who Played God. She then worked for her at Warner Brothers for the next 18 years and had a contentious relationship with Jack Warner, the studio head. It got so contentious that at one point, she brought a lawsuit in 1936 to try to break her contract with uh, Warner Brothers because she was complaining about the quality of the of the scripts that she was getting. But she lost the suit. Yeah, I remember reading about that, how like he was not the least bit intimidated by her at all. Seems like one of the few men who wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, Jack Warner. But he, everybody had a contentious relationship with Jack. I would think they? so. Yeah. You know, same with you know with uh, with Sam Goldwyn. You know. Well, who's the other guy? Admire. I can't think of his first name now. Yeah, it's yeah, totally yeah. slipping me. But yeah, they were. I mean, these are all big, powerful guys yeah. with egos to match. But so was Betty. <laughs> she sure was. Anyway, her breakout film was 1934's *Of Human Bondage*. It's so good. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I have oh, not. It's so good. 
She was officially not nominated for Best Actress Oscar, but a writing campaign began for, and the Academy recognized the writing campaign. However, she ended up losing to Claudette Colbert for It Happened One Night. Which is another really, really good movie. Great movie. And that was the first movie to win all five of the big uh, big five Oscars. Okay. Ironically, Columbia Pictures had wanted to cast her in It Happened One Night, but Jack Warner refused to lend her out. Right. She won the Oscar, though, the following year for the film Dangerous, but she considered it a consolation prize for not winning for Of Human Bondage. It's a good movie, Of Human Bondage. She next, She's so young. Well, I, 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 surprised when I was looking at this film, I was like, wow, I really didn't see many of these. But then I did see that, a lot of the big ones. In 1938, she won the Oscar for Jezebel. Right, it's right. A good movie. That was good a movie. consolation prize, because... Well, she she didn't get Gone with the Wind. They wanted her for Although Gone. later on, she said she didn't want Gone with the Wind, because at the time, they were going to cast Errol Flynn as Clark, as, as Rep Butler... She was like, no, it's a terrible choice. Okay. And she that's her version of what happened. Right. But she won the Best Actress for that. That was her second Oscar that she won. She was also nominated for... That was Nin- Henry Fonda. Yes, Jezebel, yeah. That's, that's right. That's a good movie, too. It is a good movie. The Red Dress. She was also nominated for 1939's Dark Victory, 1940's The Letter. Now, hold on. Isn't Dark, Dark Victory... The, I think that's where she plays twins. That's the first one where she plays twins. I believe so, yeah. And isn't that Carol Burnett did a... A takeoff on a that? A takeoff. Probably. Yeah. 1941's The Little Foxes. Right. Which is great. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's... Oh, she's wonderful in that. Also nominated for 1942's Now Voyager. Which is probably my favorite movie ever. I, I think love, I probably, everyone thinks that's her best movie. I love that Voyager. movie. I love that movie. 1944's Mr. Skeffington. She starred opposite Claude Rains in that yeah. one. 1950's All About Eve, which, uh, which is it's such a great performance. Uh, Classic great movie. Fantastic. One of the best movies ever. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, my God. She was also nominated for 1952's The Star, which I'm not familiar with. Me either. And 1962's Whatever Happened to Baby <laughs> Jane. <laughs> awesome. Other notable films that she made included The Private Lives of Elizabeth and Wessex, which was the first movie I saw her in. She shaved her eyebrows. Everybody was horrified. Right? Yeah. And she played Elizabeth. She also played that role again in 1955's The Virgin Queen. She was also in 1942's The Man Who Came to Dinner. Right. 1943's The Watch on the Rhine. 1945's The Corn is Green. 1961's Pocket Full of Miracles. Okay, Betty. 1964 is Hush, Hush, Sweet Hush, Charlotte. That's another good Fun movie. film, yeah. that is. Oh, my God. That was supposed to be the sequel to Baby Jane, but then Joan Crawford couldn't do it or didn't want to do it. I don't know. So then Olivia Hatt de Havilland was offered the opposite role. She was also in 1976's Burnt Offerings. You ever see that? <laughs> I have seen that. <laughs> I have Folks, if you've never seen it, it's an old horror movie with... Oliver Reed and Karen Black and Betty Davis is in it. And at one point, I think she she gets into an accent. She becomes mute at one point. And then she has this whole horrifying scene in the end with Oliver Reed. Uh, It's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, that movie. She was also in 1987's The Whales of August with Lillian Gish. Wow. And her last film was 1989's Wicked Stepmother. Oh, dear. She was married four times, divorcing three of them. The second husband died. Her last husband was actor Gary Merrill, right. who was her co-star in All About Eve. They divorced five years after their marriage. Wow, wow. She had uh, three children. One of her children was her daughter, B.D. Hyman. It seems that there was a split between mother and daughter when the daughter became a born-again Christian. And in 1985, she published a book called My Mother's Keeper. 
depicting Davis as a self-centered, emotionally manipulative alcoholic. She couldn't even wait. Like, Christina at least waited for Joan to be dead. Yeah, and well, no, this one didn't. No, BD was like, Anyway, Davis ended up disowning her, writing her out of the will. Her brother stopped talking to her. Gary Merrill even came out, and Gary Merrill had a really contentious divorce with Betty Davis. Even he came out to her in her defense saying, you're making this shit up, basically. So Betty, 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 Betty responded. She wrote a second memoir in 1987 called This and That. And at the end, she included a letter in it titled Dear Hyman. Oh, and, dear. and included in the letter she wrote, You constantly inform people that you wrote this book to help me understand you and your way of life better. Your goal was not reached. I am now utterly confused as to who you are or what your way of life is. The sum total of your having written this book is a glaring lack of loyalty and thanks for the privileged life I feel you have been given. At the end of this letter she wrote, I hope someday I will understand the title My Mother's Keeper. If it refers to money, if my memory serves me right, I've been your keeper all these many years. I am continuing to do so, as my name has made your book about me a success. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you don't fuck with her. Right? She's a tough broad. Well, in 1983, she had undergone a mastectomy. Then that was followed by two weeks later by four strokes. Oh, dear. And But she went through rigorous physical therapy, and she recovered some of the paralysis she had on her left arm and the left side of her face. There was a talk show, a late night talk show appearance she made at the very end, which was heartbreaking. Yeah, I've seen clips of that. It yeah, is heartbreaking yeah. to see that. But she's a tough old broad. Yeah, well. Till the very end, she was smoking 100 cigarettes a day. Jesus. Yeah, that's five packs. That's five packs a day. Five packs a day. She, uh, in 1989, she discovered her cancer had returned, and she died later that year at age 81. But she, in 1977, she was the first woman honored with the American Film Institute Lifetime Achievement Award. On, a, on the American Film Institute's list of the greatest female screen legends, she ranks second. Do you know who's number one? It's, uh, if it's not one of the Hepburns. Catherine Hepburn. It is Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn yeah. is number one. She was also the co-founder of the Hollywood Canteen, yeah. which was a venue for servicemen during World War II. And she was the first female president of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Somebody who knew how to deliver a slap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she did. Yes, she did. Quite a gal. So, a salute and happy birthday to the ben great Davis. Ben Davis. Awesome. No one like her again. Awesome. Nope. Our next birthday celebrant, also dead. Also dead. He was born April 5th, 1900 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He and his friend, future fellow actor Pat O'Brien, joined the Navy in 1982, but they never saw a war and were discharged in 1919. This person then pursued acting and made his Broadway debut in 1923 as a mute robot in the science fiction play R.U.R. Not given very many revivals. <laughs> I imagine. No, it's not. Are you are? The play is famous, though, because it introduced the word robot into the vocabulary. Okay. That's how the word became famous. Robot, huh? Yep. From 1930 to 35, he worked for Fox Films, where he made some mediocre films and gained a reputation as an alcoholic. In 1935, he joined MGM. His breakthrough hit with them was 1936's Fury, followed by the big-budget disaster film San Francisco, in which he played a priest. The film starred Clark Gable, but this actor received a Best Actor Oscar nomination for his role in this. He then won his second Oscar, I'm sorry, he won the Oscar for that. He also won his second Oscar then in 1938 
for playing Father Flanagan in Boys Town. Oh. He is the first of nine actors to have won the Best Actor Oscar twice, and the first of two actors to have won it consecutively. Oh, God. You don't know who it is? No. I'll keep going. The other roles that he was nominated for were 1951's Father of the Bride. Oh, Night- it's, it's uh, Tracy, Tracy, Tracy Spencer. <laughs> yes, you're close. Spencer, Spencer Tracy. Tracy. Yeah. Yes, Spencer yeah. Tracy. Other films included 1956's Bad Day at Black Rock, 1959's The Old Man in the Sea, 1961 in uh, Inherit the Wind. Very Catholic he was. Oh, yes, very Catholic. 1962's Judgment at Nuremberg, and 1968's Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. I'll also remember him for the film It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. (laughs) He was married to actress Louise Treadwell in 1923, and they had a son in 1924 who was born deaf. And Tracy thought it was punishment for his sins and felt guilt for it for the rest of his life and ended up basically estranging himself from his family as a result of that. And he moved out on them in 1933. And in with Catherine Hepburn... Oh, well, no, not quite. Not quite. He never moved in with Catherine Hepburn. No, that's Hepburn. true. No, that, never they never moved in with together. her. They didn't live together. But he also had many other affairs in the meantime. He had affairs yeah. with Loretta Young, uh, Joan Crawford, Ingrid Bergman. Well, everybody had an affair with Crawford. But then he met Catherine Hepburn in 1942 when they made Woman of the Year together. Right. They then went on to make eight more films together. The last one, which was 1968's Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Which he completed filming before he died. He, uh, Seventeen days he di- he died right after filming it. Yeah, so he never even saw it. Yep. And although he never divorced his wife, his affair with Hepburn was a well-known secret, and they only lived together in the last two years of his life, right. and he was basically pretty much bedridden yeah. for most of it. You know, because he he was he was basically he was an alcoholic. He was a heavy smoker. He became dependent on barbiturates. He was overweight. Later diagnosed with diabetes, and he died of a heart attack at age sixty-seven. Diabetes. Diabetes. Okay. Is there a problem with my pronunciation of diabetes? It's very Wilford Brimley. <laughs> which I understand. Anyway, he is ranked at number nine on the American Film Institute's list of the greatest male film legends. Okay, go Spencer. Right? So happy birthday, Spencer Tracy. Spencer Tracy. Two big film legends on the same day. Yeah. Right? That's unusual. What else you got on birthdays? Anybody alive? Nope, that's it for birthdays today. Oh, Spencer Tracy and Betty Davis. Yeah, and okay. Stanley Turrentine. And, and Stanley Turrentine. Turrentine. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I just wanted to cover the big ones. There were some smaller ones in there. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, nah, Nobody that's the same. Who gives a fuck about the B-list? Hey. <laughs> we now move on to Today in History. All right, a lot of shit happened today. Well, I'm concentrating on one event that happened today. Which was what? 100 years ago today, the American Birth Control League was incorporated in New York. Oh. It was founded in 1921 by birth control activist Margaret Sanger. And okay. it became incorporated in this in 22. By 1924, the uh, league had over 27,000 members in eight states. And it promoted the founding of birth control clinics and encouraged women to control their own fertility. The name of the organization was changed in 1942 to the Planned Parenthood Federation of America, which now operates uh, over 600 clinics in the United States. Crazy. It's crazy the struggle that that whole thing, that that whole birth control thing. Well, that's the thing. I mean, this is at a time, 1922, where birth control was still illegal in many places, you know? And it was for a woman to have birth control. Oh, you're a slut. Yeah. You know, how dare, what are you getting birth control for? Right. Don't you want your husband's baby? Right. Yeah, but I don't want his brothers. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
So yeah, so happy birthday to the to Planned Parenthood, Planned I guess. Planned Parenthood on this day in history. On this day in 100 history, one hundred years ago, and they're still bombing them places. Yep. We now move on to what day is it? Oh, this may be the one I know about. Well, this one, you this first one, we won't you won't know about. I figured since we have such a large following in India, okay, I would mention what day it is in India. What and day is, is it in India? It is National Maritime Day in oh. India. Big maritime culture over there? Yo, very, very big. Really? Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, this day, it marks the day in 1919 that the first Indian flag merchant ship set sail from Mumbai to London. And it's a celebration of the men and women who work in the maritime trade industry. Wow, I didn't realize that had a... Okay. Maritime trade with from India dates back to 3000 BC when they were engaged in trade with Mesopotamia. Only Portugal or Spain. Who would Christopher Columbus... Tri- that's not even close to not even close. It's no, just, but what I'm saying is they continually looked for spice there. They continually wanted to get to India. Everybody was trying to find India. Well, it took them a long time. Yeah, it did. But uh, the earliest, the world's earliest known dock was built in India in a, in a uh, southwest place called Lothal, dating from 2400 BC. Holy shit! Uh, what was it made out of? Uh, I, I would assume out of stone. It's still there. It's still there. Yep. It had to be stone. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's still there, but they have a. It's a site for it. No, uh, here it's probably stone now. On this site used to be earliest known dock. Yeah, known yeah, yeah, that kind of site. They later engaged in trade then with the Roman Empire, Egypt, Arabia, Persia, and Southeast Asia. Trade with the West began after Portuguese explorer Vasco da Gama landed in India in 1498. Yes, yeah, so maritime trade is very, very big for I India. I did not realize that they have a whole day devoted to it. They eat a lot of seafood. I would assume so, yeah. Scallops, probably. Probably. Yeah. Probably on the, on the more south they do. I don't know about more, no, I don't know about the north, but definitely on the south I would think there's probably more seafood on their diet. Yeah. Right? The southerners. Yeah. So happy National Maritime Day to India. To India. Anyway, today is also First Contact Day. First Contact Day. Yep. Because in this day, in April 5th, 2063, Dr. Zephram Cochran flew his spacecraft, the Phoenix, and became the first human to reach warp drive, which means traveling faster than the speed of light. After this launch happened, the Vulcans appeared at the base near Bozeman, Montana. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to stand up right now and kick you until you are dead. (laughs) Yes, this is first contact day in the world of Star Trek. I'm going to. I'm going (laughs) to. It's a very big thing among Trek people. I'm, I'm sure it is. <laughs> among all, like what, all ten of them? I'm just gonna lay back here, close my eyes, and snooze for a second while you go through all of this first contact. No, no, that's all I had to tell you about it. Okay. It, it, it was documented in the film Star Trek: First Contact, and from 1996, 2063. Mm-hmm. That's like soon. Yeah. Which means it ain't gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, though. You know. Well, you see, on their timeline, Earth has already been through World War Three. Okay. And it's now like coming back out of that again now. Well, that could happen at any time. So that after the, it, the discovery of warp drive, then things start accelerating, and then about 100 so years or so later, then they have the Federation. Oh, okay. Better known as the United Federation of Planets. The UFP. The UFP. Oh, <laughs> So happy first contact day, Tommy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Live long and prosper. Uh, what is it? If, if, frup. What? Frup. What was it? International Federation of Planets. If. 
What was it? United Federation? The United Federation of Planets. Oh. <laughs> Happy Off Day. We now move on to our next segment, which is Turn Your Head and Cough. <coughs> we haven't been to this one in a couple of weeks. No, but it's been a while. I figured it was a good time to come up because it's all about COVID. The states of, we haven't had enough of that. I know. Well, the states of New York, New Jersey... Maine, Delaware, and Georgia are seeing an increase in new cases. Okay, why is that? Because there's a new dominant strain. It's called BA.2 or BA.2. That's the new dominant strain. It's considered more transmissible than the original Omicron strain, but it does not appear to cause more severe cases of COVID or evade vaccinate vaccines better than the original Omicron strain. All right, so if you're vaccinated, are you okay? I would think so. Yes, it should be good. It should be enough protection for you. I gotta go get another vaccine. Well, that's the thing. The CDC now has authorized a second booster shot for anyone over fifty or older to show up immunity ahead of this possible surge now yeah. that may come. Right. Because right now the national average of infections is twenty six thousand a day of that's new infections. Insane. But that's I, that's low right now. I how think. did? Yeah, it's well, low. That's not, How does it? But it's go, still a lot. It's a lot. 26,000 a day? And not only that, there's a new variant called XE that just popped up in the United Kingdom. Oh. But they're like, let's not worry about it yet. We don't know how prevalent it is. We've only discovered this now, so well, they're it's waiting. It's not like but... travel between like England and the United States is very... Oh, hard. yeah, not at all, yeah, right? There's very little <laughs> crossing borders there. I know. Oh, God. Too much. No, this is going to be like one of those things you schedule. I got to go get my booster shot for this. I got to go get my my flu shot, my COVID shot, my pneumonia shot, my whatever it is. You're just going to schedule it. Yeah. Maybe I go get my COVID shot when I get my oil changed because Jiffy Lube is right next to, you know what I mean? It's going to become like that kind of everyday mundane mundanity mundanity I was going to say I stopped myself I don't know what is the right way to say it I don't know either we'll check later yeah for those of you who care (laughs) so yeah it's it's never going to go away like I said I'm you know I know I see I go to the stores now other places I see people without masks inside we're still wearing masks you know I don't care it's still a pandemic. I don't care what the vaccination rate here is on Long Island. I know people who are still getting it. I haven't worn a mask in a couple of weeks, at least. Okay. A of weeks. I, I, no, we still wear no, when we go inside buildings. Like we go shopping, anything like that. We, we, no, we can't be... I'm sorry, you just can't be too cautious. I, I don't disagree with you. And you know, you're old. Thanks. Um, and infirm. <laughs> Oh fuck you! And you need to you need to protect yourself. <laughs> yes. Tell me what you just told me about. You got your thyroid, what you call an X-ray or something today. Oh, that was my ultrasound. Your ultrasound. Yes. Right, 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 right. And that's not has that's because you're old. Oh, because I'm old. Yes. yes, that's why. They were measuring the rings. Yes, I'm going to measure your fucking. You rings. You have to do that with an ultrasound while they're still alive. <laughs> We now move on. Or you could just count the wrinkles on the elbow. I think it's like a wrinkle for every decade over 30. (laughs) You could pretty much go on that. Because you can't hide shit about your elbows or your neck. You can do better with the neck, but not your elbow. Are you at the stage where you're putting cream on your elbows? No, I'm not a... No. (laughs) Okay. No, I like them ashy and rough. (laughs) Just like the rest of you. (laughs) Defense against the dog move on to our next segment wow 
Okay. Ordinarily, we would go into take a look into my briefs. But thank God, this time. This no, time, this week, no, I had no nothing briefs. law related to report. Okay. Nothing really of any significance to report this week. All right. What about? What about? Can I ask something? What yes. about? Uh, you know anything about the head count for the Supreme Court Justice? What's her face? Kachan, uh, Katanji, yeah, Katanji uh, Brown. Jackson Brown. Well, the last we heard, of course, was that it came out of, well, it came, didn't come out of committee. It was 11 11 vote in the Rules Committee, which means now that the Democrats have to make this motion, have it introduced into the Senate. It's not, there won't be any problems with that. She's going to be on the Senate floor, be voted on. Right now, there are three Republican senators who have said that they are going to vote for her nomination. Well, that's plenty, right? Well, if even if they didn't, it would have been a 50-50 split then, and then Kamala comes and then in. Vice President Kamala Harris right. would have come in and uh, broke the tie. It's such a shame. It's such a, like, these Supreme Court justices used to be confirmed with huge margins as a matter of just course. And now, you know, you start adding women and black people and Spanish people and the Jews in, and ain't nobody get past these people. I know, right? Jesus himself couldn't become a Supreme Court judge. Jesus himself couldn't be elected to dog catcher. I mean, I'm sorry. She actually comes across to me as a fairly moderate judge. Yeah, she really does. And actually what kind of bothered me about her testimony is when she said that she was talking like, well, I'm going to follow the original text of the Constitution and its original meaning. And I'm like, okay, now you sound like... The rest of them. Yeah. You yeah. sound like Gorsuch and Alito and like you're going to be an originalist, which I think is just a ridiculous way of interpreting the Constitution, but that's a whole different story. What about Ginny? What's going on with Ginny? Nothing more at this point. Really? I, I, from what I understand that the the one six committee isn't going to, they issuing her a subpoena. The daughter testified today for five hours. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't hear that. Ivanka. Oh. Oh, a Trump story, you mean? Ivana? Ivanka? Yeah, well, Jared Kushner's already testified. Ja- Jared Kushner, yeah, but she did today via Zoom. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because I think she was in the room with him at one point or another during the day. Yeah. I don't think he was there at all. I think, if anything, she was the one who was saying, you got to say something, you yeah. got to say something, you got to say I think exactly. all of his kids probably were. Yeah, they were all the other kids, like Donald Jr. Except for Eric. Other people. Well, yeah. Who, Eric, <laughs> Eric was probably <laughs> licking a window somewhere. <laughs> All right, so what we what are we going to talk about? Instead? Well, we're going to skip look into my breeze, okay. and we're going to go right into the week in fascism. In fascism. Okay, well, this and is... we got a lot over this week. I'll okay. tell you that. What do we got? First is this is an article that I read from thehill.com. The American Library Association did its annual assessment, and it said that parents and political groups lodge complaints against nearly sixteen hundred books in more than seven hundred libraries across the country in 2021. This was a new record, that, and the books centered largely on, surprise, race, gender, and the queer community. Gee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said that basically twice as many challenges to books were made over the course of one three-month period than in the entirety of 2020. <laughs> For three months, that's more than 2020. So... They said the 330 challenges in that three-month period compared to 377 made in 2019. So they're getting 300 complaints a year about books. No, that's an average of 300 complaints every three months. Every Okay, about books. And what was the total 1,600 complaints? Is that 1,600 titles? They were 1600. No, it could be different titles, but it seems like the number one title is this graphic memoir by Maya Kobabi, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, or Kobabe, called Gender Queer, which depicts the life of a non-binary queer person. 
Yeah, well, you gotta if you're gonna if that's what you're gonna name it, you gotta expect somebody's gonna get pissed. Also among the books to be likely to be attacked were novels that contained sexually explicit references or content, including the absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian and Tony Morrison's The Bluest Eye. Huh. Yeah. Tony Morrison, huh? Tony Morrison book. They're gonna they're 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 going after. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. The group said that the, probably the number of banned and challenged books is probably even much higher than what they've been able to document. Because they're basically relying on news reports and self-reporting by libraries. By libraries. And they said as much as 90% of challenges to books go unreported. What? So, so wait, in order to challenge a book, you have to go to the librarian, you have to go to the, the city, whatever you have to do, who, who runs the library, right? Well, if it's a, if it's a public library. You're talking about public libraries, right? Or you're talking about a high school library, college library. This sounds like... It's not clear, but it sounds like it's it's school libraries, but it's not clear. It could be all libraries. Okay. It's not very clear, but I'm assuming a lot of it is school library. We're not surprised, but I don't I'm not I can't swear to that. Tony Morrison. Yeah. The bluest Eye? Mm-hmm. I've never heard about it. Never heard about it. I know. Anyway, on to the next story. We go down to Florida. Florida. The Republican led legislature passes law in which there is now the students are given a survey to voluntarily answer. There are 13 questions on the survey that ask students whether they feel their university is a place where free or political expression can take place, and whether their professors create that environment and to what degree express their own political opinions. And, and, and who's doing this? The survey was developed by the State University System and political researchers from Florida State University's Institute of Politics. Now, would you like to hear some of the questions? Sure. Let me see if I can find them. Uh, here we go. The questionnaire. I immediately popped it up. And this is to college students? Yep. In the, in the Florida State College yeah. System? Okay. Okay, first question is, well, this, these, are, these are all like you either mark like strongly agree, agree. Okay. So first one is, I feel that it's important to be able to express my political viewpoint without fear of negative consequences. Duh. My college or university campus provides an environment for free expression of ideas, opinions, and beliefs. There should be a college, like, institution rule. Go ahead. Okay. I see examples of free and welcome expression in my classes regularly. My professors, of course, or course instructors, use class time to express their own social or political beliefs without objectively discussing opposing social or political beliefs. All right, so stop. Oh, no, we, uh, the worst ones are the ones about the professors. Go ahead. And these are multiple choice ones. My professors or course instructors are generally more, one, conservative, two, liberal, three, other, four, I don't know. My college or university is generally, one, more tolerant of liberal ideas and beliefs, two, more tolerant of conservative ideas and beliefs, three, equally tolerant. Now, of course, this kind of information is not going to be used or can be used against the teachers at these schools. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you have a certain, you're, you're, you're giving the impression that you have a certain political persuasion. Was this given to specific, like, schools inside a university? Like, it was you... given to college students all across the state on Monday morning. They don't have, it's not mandatory to answer it, but it was given to all of them on Monday. No matter what program they were in. Like they were asking. If they're in a, col if they're in a Florida college, they got this. Public college. Uh, it's, 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 it says distributed to college students. Doesn't say public. It seems to me like maybe if you're talking to a political science major, that's a good, that's, that's, I, I you know, yeah. But like the pre-med guy. 
Are you looking to say that his teacher, his the the pre med guy learning learning about medical terminology or the circulatory system? You, uh, they're looking for justification to go on a witch hunt against what they deemed are liberal leaning professors. That's what it comes down to, and they, this will provide grist for the mill. All right, it's disgusting. All right, it's a union. The United Faculty of Florida has basically advised students ignore the survey. Don't bother answering the survey because it's, they said they're concerned it's going to be used to target their faculty members. And they said Florida's government has no right to know the thoughts, feelings, or political or religious beliefs of anyone, including the higher education community. Privacy is the bedrock of democracy and a safeguard against autocratic control. Okay. So Florida just, man, just keeps digging its Everybody's so deeper. They're, it's, they're going for the, the new... Battleground in the culture wars. Yeah, is education. I don't. I don't remember anybody's mom like coming into the school raging like an idiot over subject matter. Never courses. Right, like it just didn't happen. No, you 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 know the 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 public school taught what it taught. I know it's never been an issue. Of course, we're spoiled. Well, you weren't. You were educated in New York. What state were you educated in? I was in New York. Oh, you were in New York. Yeah. I thought you were out of state. No, I was going for college. Okay. Mineola. Okay. And yeah, I was educated right here in Farmingdale. These issues never came up, you know? Yeah, nobody, I, I don't believe, they may have been, but I don't believe there were any questions about what was on the curriculum. In fact, I remember you, maybe like in fifth grade, our science teacher, because it was during an election year, and he basically had the students like, between these, between those two candidates, which one are you supporting? And the students would raise their hand, and, he, and then he would ask the students, why do you support them? And they would give their answer, and he would knock down all their answers. Okay. And then he asked the other half, so who are the ones who support the other candidate? And he would ask why you support them. And he would refute all their answers, answers, saying, you know, politics is not that cut and dry. Don't just mimic what you're hearing from your parents. You know, you have to learn and explore for yourself. You know, don't just mimic what you're hearing. What they're doing is that... That was by the extent of any kind of political discussion in the whole time I was in public school. Aside from, like, people running for treasurer... Well, yeah, student politics, right, student yeah. elections. Yeah, that's about it. Please, but it's just, it's, it's just, it's out of hand. It's, it's parents seeking to control, and they, 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 they want to make sure they're not exposed to it at any level. No. Yeah. You're gonna have to leave your home state to get an education that will prepare you for life in the 21st century. Yeah. Because these people that they don't want you to know about are here. They exist. They're elected in they're certain instances. Anywhere. They're not going anywhere. Um, and, to, and 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 I, you, you, they're doing their kids such a disservice, such a disservice. Yes, they are. They really are. Ah, right, well, fuck and, it. And, I like it. But unfortunately, there are other states that are now following Florida's example. That's the problem. Oh yeah, you know it's spreading. Oh, yeah. Because especially if it's an effective political tool. Yep. Because if you look at any of this legislation, what what does it have to do with the children? How does it? How does any of this benefit a child in any way? It doesn't. It just hurts a child. It, but it satisfies the parent. That's uh, about it. That's about it. They, what feel else? Like, they feel like they've done something. This week in fascism. What else? We now move on to Ohio. Hitting all the biggies. Yeah, right? There was a substitute teacher there named Jay Bowman, gay teacher. He's been working there in the system for 30 years. And I guess one day in class, he was wearing a pride bracelet. Uh-oh. So the students asked him what the bracelet was for. And he said it was from a group called Capital First Pride that provided resources for teens 
who may be living with mental health distress, suicide issues, or need extra support. Uh, and he then gave several of the braces to the students. Oh, dear. Oh, he got fired for that. Yeah. The superintendent, Peter Ruby, said that Bauman violated board policies by speaking about personal beliefs, political and religious topics, as well as distributing bracelets. Every one of those kids know who Jesus is. Well, yeah. But, well, when they asked him, like, well, are you saying that talking about LGBTQ issues is political or religious topics? And he wouldn't respond. He wouldn't He wouldn't give an example of exactly what he said. And he, and he, he went on to say... While we recognize there are diverse points of view in this matter, this policy exists for the purpose of ensuring all students feel comfortable in the classroom. Bauman responded that he did not technically violate a policy that he did not know about, about handing the bracelets. He said, yeah, I did violate that, but he goes, I don't care, I have no regrets. He said he's taught there within the system for 30 years, and during that time, nearly 40 uh, former students and uh, have come out to him during that time. Yeah, so... So students and his supporters are planning on addressing the issue at the next school board meeting on April 11th. Okay, well, keep us updated. But I, I imagine that uh, after 30 years, he can retire now, can okay? he? He's only a substitute teacher. He's oh, he's a, a substitute Yeah, he wasn't a full-time teacher there. Oh. All right, well... But still, man, someone who works in all... the system for 30 years. Yeah. And you just let him go that easily. That's just... It's disgusting. It, yeah. Yeah. We now move on to our last story in This Week in Fascism. I don't give the kids nothing. Excuse me? I don't give the kids nothing. Oh, we know that. No. <laughs> I will give them a ride. Nope. I followed three kids up. You ever, have you ever been to Herrick's High School? No, I can't say you have I to, have. You have you, the, the athletic field is in front of the school, off of the road. So you have to drive up this hill. Around the athletic field to get to the building, okay. the high school building, and it's a hill, and it's a long hill. And I was going to rehearsal, and it was snowing, and there was kids who was on their way to my rehearsal in the building, and they were walking up the hill in the snow. And I followed them in my car because I'll follow you, make sure you're okay, but you're not getting in my car. <laughs> There's no, you know, no, you know, they don't get gifts. That no, no, no. but you know what? You run the if any contact you have with anybody under eighteen is a risk. And that's brutal. Yeah. That's brutal. Right? All right. So go ahead. What's the night, what else happened this week? Well, we, we now move on to our last story for the week in fascism. Caitlyn Jenner has joined oh. Fox News as a contributor. What is going on there? CEO Suzanne Scott said in a statement, Caitlyn's story is an inspiration to us all. She is a trailblazer in the LGBTQ plus community, and her illustrious career spans a variety of fields that will be a tremendous asset for our audience. Okay, so this is the network that continuously attacks trans people all night long on all their various shows. And they got the one trans person in America willing to attack trans people. Yeah, right? She don't want to be a trans activist. She, you know, she, that's not what her, that's not what her interest is. She's, she, and it doesn't have to be, but she's brutal. She's vicious. She's mean. I think she's a media starved whore yeah, for yeah, attention. Yeah. I mean, she ran for what? The governor last year in that whole runoff election they had. She got what? Less than 1% of the vote, I think, or 1% maybe at the most. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. I don't, I, I don't know what's going on there. When I was a kid, I I was such a big fan of Bruce. I was such a big fan of Bruce Jenner. Right. 
watching the Olympics. What a great athlete he was. Good oh, my thighs. God. And he was beautiful to look at, too. Nice shorts they wore back then. And then years later, it's like, then I saw him on the Kardashians, and I'm like, well, I don't watch this anyway, but it's just like, he just seemed so out of place when I saw him on the I mean, uh, this is a really extreme length to And go then, of course, when he attention. had the conversion over, and he came out as, he came out as Caitlyn, and I said, that was a bit of a culture shock for me, but it's like, hey, who might uh, disagree or argue? It's not my place. It's it's her life. Yeah, whatever. You know? I where she wears it. ain't going to bother you. But she has just been such an affront yeah. to the trans community. Yeah. And now to take a job with the propaganda network that mercilessly goes after trans people whenever they can. It's it's the worst. It's just the height of disgust. Uh, it's pretty disgusting. Right? She'll go down with them. I, well, I don't know. I wish Fox News would go down, but I don't see that happening. Uh, it's, it's too well funded. I know. But yeah, I'm just, yeah, that was just, uh, it's like, what an attention whore you are. You just can't give up the spotlight. What is what is she going to do for Fox News? Is she going to be an on-air personality? Yeah, she'll ha- they'll have her on for a segment to make a comment on the news. That'll probably be it. Oh, know? okay. And I'm sure it'll be like it'll, it'll be. I bet it'll be mostly a lot of the queer issues, whatever. That's a, I'm a guarantee she'll be the one there to comment on it. We now move on to our next segment of the show. We Just, like to watch. Oh, what have you watched this past week, Tommy? Uh, Bridgerton. Uh huh. How was that? It was awesome. Really? Yeah. I hear there are complaints that there's not enough sex in the show. There's not. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of sex. What they did this season was the Skylar sisters. Okay. Okay. So now it's there's these two girls, and they come out of nowhere. Okay. And there's the older, wiser one, and the younger, beautiful, you know, loving, uh, affectionate younger one who's who's coming out this season. Okay. And. The hero who now is the older brother of the girl who married the hot guy last year. Right. Last season. Now the older brother is the, the male interest to the like the lead male character. Yeah. And he's going back and forth between the two of them. He loves the older one. He wants the older one, but he's already not we go through the whole he they get engaged. They almost get married. And then they almost get married in front of the queen and then he, he different than the Skylar sisters. He does not marry the younger one he's supposed to marry. Okay. Um, and the two, the he and the older one end up in a clinch at the end of the season. So, and it's all because that hot guy from last from the last season won't come back. Why would he come back? I don't know, but he he said he was booked for one season. He did his one season and he's done. Huh? Oh well. So, uh, but he was the. The focal point of last season. Oh, uh, okay. So that kind of hurts. Such a beautiful man. Mm. Oh, my God. Just gorgeous. Lots of sex. <laughs> Lots of sex. There was, not, there, was, there was not as much sex this season at all. Uh, but, yeah, I watched that. I watched RuPaul. This may be the longest season of RuPaul ever. This is season 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Specifically, the, like, flagship show of the business yeah and it's just going on forever you know it's just it's crazy they just keep they keep bringing her back there's there's two weeks with no elimination then there's a third week where she got the 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 gold instead of the chocolate ball so she's not going anywhere either and so it's just taking forever but i love it okay i'll I'll watch it as as long as it goes cool what else did i watch What, what do you got what do i have well we watched the new dune movie 
Yeah, no, don't interest me. Which we really liked. I, I, I've seen now three different versions of Dune. There's the David Lynch version, there's a sci-fi channel miniseries version, and then there's this newest version. This one is the best by far. Okay. So I really liked that. Really enjoyed that. It's a movie? movie? Yeah, it's a movie. Full length. It's about a two and a half hour movie. About Dune. Well, it's a, but it's, have you ever seen the original Dune or any? Uh, no, I remember seeing a book called well, there's a Dune. Book, there's a book called Dune. It's, it's a sci-fi novel written by Frank Herbert. Okay. And Isn't he the bases. guy who founded the, the, the religion, Scientology? No, no. That's L. Ron Hubbard. Oh! <laughs> that's L. Ron Hubbard. That's a different guy. Okay. No, this guy wrote the whole series of books after Dune as well. Dune is a series. Yeah, he wrote about, I think, like five, six books on it. And there's only been movies made of... Movies have been made of the first book. The miniseries uh, covered the first two books. Uh, and you liked it? Actually, the first three books are covered, really. I'm sorry. And yeah. where was it? Where'd you find that was it? on the Sci-Fi Channel, the miniseries. Sci-Fi That was really good. I really enjoyed where the Where was the movie series. you watched? This the movie was, I was on HBO Max on Hulu. Okay. So, yeah, definitely recommend that. We also watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye. This was the one that I was interested in because this circles around RuPaul. Okay. It may be that, wow, his production company produced it or something, whatever, but it's yeah. available on the wow app. Pushed heavily. The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And what do you think? Well, I'm glad I saw it because I wanted to see it after Jessica Chastain won the Best Actress Oscar for it. And she played Tammy Faye? Yeah, she played Tammy Faye and she deserved the Oscar for okay. it. Okay. She does a fantastic job in the part. She Tammy Faye is a, is a huge character. Yeah. Everything about it is huge. And they basically cover from, you know, the very beginning when she's a little girl right. up to the very end. And it's it's really, really, really well done. They, they really Andrew Garfield plays Jim Baker in it. Oh, he, really? Yeah. He's very he's good in the part. He really is. He's having one hell of a year, I'll tell you. He, he is. He's being ignored. But he's having a hell of a Well, year. he did have an Oscar nomination, so... For what? Tick, tick, boom. He was nominated. Yes, he was nominated okay. for that. Oh, yeah. So he he's not being ignored. He should have won that. And he has, an, he has a series coming up pretty soon, oh, too. Will Smith won it. Hmm? Will Smith won that yes. award. Yes, we covered that last week. Remember? Right, right, right. But I don't... Okay. <laughs> for two weeks ago. I can't remember. It's been so long. And what else? We finished watching the Andy Warhol Diaries. Okay. And that was on Netflix. Excellent series. Really, really, I mean, I wasn't the biggest Andy Warhol fan, and I loved the series regardless of how, how we felt about it. How was art. it presented? Did somebody play Andy Warhol? No, no, it's presented as a documentary, okay. but it's a lot of first-hand accounts from people who knew him, right. who were you know, associated with him, and it tells a story of him from his childhood up to the very end of his life. Documentary style. But it's not very dry, it's, it's really, yeah, yeah. it's Beautifully well done. You, the amount of artwork you see in this is fantastic. Yeah. There's a whole episode, or actually two episodes, about uh, him and Basquiat. Jean-Michel Basquiat, the, you know, you're not familiar with him? No. Oh, my God. How can you not be familiar with Basquiat? Uh, you know, I got other things to do. Oh, excuse me. I got to go buy pretzels. <laughs> okay? I got shit to do. I'm not an art guy. But anyway, I hardly recommend I like pretty paintings. the Andy Warhol Diaries. Okay, Andy Warhol. Yep. Lastly, I want to talk about something I haven't seen that you haven't seen, but it's coming to Broadway. It's a show called A Strange Loop. Are you familiar with this show? I've heard about it, and I don't know why. The book, music, and lyrics were written by a man named Michael R. Jackson. Uh, he received a Jonathan Larson grant from the American Theater Wing in 2017, and was one of 11 winners of the 2017 
Lincoln Center Emerging Artist Awards. He was also named one of the Black Male Writers for Our Time by the New York Times in 2018. So what's the musical? The musical, Strange Loop, as I said, it's written by a black man, and the musical is about a black man writing a musical about a black man writing a musical. Okay, the loop. <laughs> Hence, a strange loop. Okay. It's basically, there are actually clips of it on YouTube, because it, it was it was off-Broadway. It won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Wow. It's the first show to win a uh, Pulitzer Prize for Drama without yeah. having a Broadway run first. Okay. Which is pretty amazing in itself. It's directed by Stephen Brackett, who directed previously Be More Chill and Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical. Who's in it? The actors are all unknown actors. I looked at the names. Okay. It's a small cast. It's basically this one actor playing the playwright the, the, and these six other actors who are like the, basically the voices in his head. Okay. And uh, I said, I watched clips of it. It looks really good. Okay. The show, it reminds me of early Jonathan Larson. It reminds me of, uh, who's the guy who wrote um, the music for (sighs) Spelling Bee? Oh, yeah. Finn. Finn. William Finn. William Finn. Reminds me of him. Not a combination of the two. William Finn? Yeah. I like some of it, not all of his work. Yeah, there's a good song here and there. But it looks like a good show. I really do want to see it. It opens on... April 26th. It's in previews starting tomorrow at the Lyceum Theater. The Loop. I love the Lyceum Theater. The Loop. Okay. Yeah. So, You know what theater I love? City Center. I've been there. That's a great theater. I saw Monty Python at City Center. (laughs) (laughs) We now move on to our next segment, which is... Oh. People saying saying stupid stupid things. things. And tonight's winner is Colorado Representative Lauren Boebert. Oh, this is going to be a good one. On April 1st, she tweeted, We require people to be 21 to purchase alcoholic beverages and 21 to purchase tobacco products. Why is it so unreasonable to require people to reach a certain level of maturity before making life-altering decisions about their sexuality and identity? In other words, she's saying, No one should come out out until they're 21. Okay. That's what she's basically saying. Of course, this is from a woman who dropped out of high school and had a child out of wedlock at age 18. And well, in, she, you know, she knew at the time. And her boyfriend, uh, Jason Bobert, in 2004, when she was 18, he was arrested for exposing himself to two young women at a Colorado bowling alley. Oh, my. Lauren Bobert was there with him at the time. She got banned from the bowling alley as well. Oh, <laughs> So this is the woman saying that, yes, people shouldn't come out until they're 21. Until they're 21. Of course, people tweeted back, well, that means the heterosexuals can't come out then either. <laughs> well, the problem is heterosexuals don't have to come out. Well, yeah. But, uh, yeah, to say something like that, that's just so stupid. Yeah, she's not the brightest bulb who, in the pack. Like, who surrounds her? Who talks to her? Who does she talk to? Where does she get information from? Does she know anybody? Like... Probably gets it from the same place where Marjorie Green gets her information. Yeah, probably. And Madison Cawthorn gets his information, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the breed of Republican they're breeding nowadays, you know? All right, so maybe they'll be a blight and they'll all die off. <laughs> <laughs> if we're lucky. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment, Five Faves. Oh. And in honor of this being Jazz Appreciation Month, you were asked to name your five favorite jazz musicians. Ella Fitzgerald. 
She's not a musician. She's yeah, a singer. She's a singer. She's she not a musician. Well, then that's there goes. My, Sorry, singers are not musicians. There goes my top four. You're wrong. Sorry, and singers are not musicians. Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington's a musician. Primarily known as a band leader, but yes, he's a musician. He's a songwriter. He wrote music. Uh huh. Okay. That's not musician enough for you. <laughs> It'll do. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you don't consider Ella Fitzgerald a musician. Sorry. No, she is a singer. If I wanted singers, I would have said jazz singers. But she is not a singer. She is a music. She is a singer. She is not a musician. Okay, Mr. Tight Ass. So my first choice is Louis Armstrong. Okay. I grew up on his music, so he was my first choice. Okay. What's your next choice? That's not a singer. Uh, I was prepared with four kick Maynard Ferguson. Maynard Ferguson. Do you know what instrument he plays? He plays the trumpet. Does he? He plays the trumpet, and there was an album uh, with Diane Shore. Really? Who was one of my four females. Yes, he's uh, a great singer. Yeah, uh, which is one of my favorite albums ever. So, yeah, I'm going to go there. Maynard Ferguson, because he plays a horn. Okay. All right. My second choice is a man named Charlie Hayden. He's a bass player. Okay. Really great bass player. Right, one of his uh, albums uh, called um, I can't think of the name of it now, but it was with his Charlie Hayden Quartet West, one of his many groups that he played with. Excellent little combo. So yeah, Charlie Hayden was All next right. on my list. Who's third on your list? Uh, who was the the hot guy from New Orleans who was on Will and Grace? He was on Broadway. He did the album for When Harry Met Sally. He married Grace on Will and Grace. Oh. Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. Oh, okay. I'm going to go with Harry Connick Jr. Okay. I like that. I like him. I, I like him. Yeah. I actually used to get his albums, a lot of his earlier albums. Yeah. My next choice is a man named George Shearing. He's a pianist. Oh, here we go. Again. Great jazz pianist. Great side man to a lot. I have a great album with him sing, uh, playing with Mel Torme. Okay. But yeah, actually an attorney I worked with recommended him to me. And I checked out a couple of his albums. Really, really good piano player. All right. So that was my third choice. Who's your fourth choice? I'm going to go with Gershwin. Okay. The symphonic jazz. Okay. I like the the idea of taking an improv improvisational, basically improvisational art form. Okay. And structuring it for a symphony-sized orchestra. Because you can't improvise. A symphony orchestra cannot improvise. Everything's got to be written. Right. Because then you just have this crazy cacophony of sound so uh I, I like the way he combined that and i think he did it brilliantly uh more than once so i'm gonna go with george gershwin george gershwin okay my fourth choice is the turtle island string quartet where are they from uh they're from the united states i was supposed in, to say turtle island well no <laughs> but they're a string quartet that plays jazz music right and right. they're Excellent. Yeah. I got introduced to them like 20-something years ago. I love that shit. Someone gave me their first album. I was like, oh my God, these guys are great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've it's been following them quartet? since. Yeah, string quartet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're they're excellent. They really are. Who is your last choice? For I don't know. I, I, I'm now scrambling to think. Uh, I'm trying to think of what's in my record collection. Tick-tock, oh. tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Oh, let's go with George Levant. Who? George Levant. I'm not familiar with the name. He played an album of... Uh, he's a pianist. Okay. And he has an album of all Gershwin. Okay. I think his name is 
What did I say? George Levant? Yes, yeah, so you said. I don't know. I never heard of him. Uh, I may be wrong. Okay. Google Webble. Google Web George Levant. See I'll Google Webble. Go to the Wayback Machine. See if there's a man named George Levant. I think there. I think that's his name. I'm pretty sure. E V A N T. No, there's an Oscar Levant. Oh no, that's not him. Who was American concert pianist composer? Sure, it wasn't him. That's why I'm. Do you have a, a discography? That's what I was looking for. It doesn't seem they don't have. They have a filmography. That's where I put Oscar Levant. But now they discography. That's why. I, the, uh, okay. Um, all right, so I need somebody who we can identify. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't listen to a lot of just instrumental. I like singers. Wait, I think you didn't mean Oscar Levant. Because now I'm reading about him. He says, during his stay, he met and befriended George Gershwin. So Michael beginning... Levant? No, I think it's this guy. I think you're talking about Oscar Levant. That's what it sounds like to me. You put an album out for Levant on, or Gershwin plays Levant, or Levant plays something. Yeah. All right, but Something. yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's his name. Well, that's what we're going to go with. Uh, all right, all right. It's, it's, you know, there's a bullshit fucking... <laughs> all right, whatever. My last choice is Trombone Shorty. Okay. He's from New Orleans. Great trombonist. Trombone. Yeah. He mixes, he just, he plays, you know, funk and jazz. has a little rock sometimes to it. He's, oh, he's excellent. Really, really like this guy a lot. Highly recommend him. What's his name? Trombone Shorty. Trombone Shorty. Yep. Where's he from? New Orleans. How old is he? I think he's like in his 30s. Really? Yeah. I think he's in his 30s, 40s maybe. Yeah, he's fairly fairly young as jazz musicians go. Yeah, for real. Right? So are we done now looking for anyone else named Levant? I'm I'm still looking, but, but no, go ahead. Let's continue. We now move on to our final segment of the day. Okay. The Grumpy Old Gay Men Gripe of the Week. All right, you go first. I don't have a gripe. I have the exact opposite, actually. Okay. You remember a couple of weeks ago, I was complaining about my treatment at a lab where I was going to I do remember that. I do remember that. Treatment. That bitch. Well, today, I had the exact opposite experience. And was it the same medical practice? No, it was a whole different office I had to go to out in Suffolk County. And I had to go for an ultrasound of my carotid artery. Okay. Because my doctor heard something in my neck with a stethoscope, so he's like, go get it checked out. Even before I even got there, I mean, they called yesterday to give me kind of, it was a confirmation call, and I asked them, oh, can you give me your address again, please? I misplaced it. They were very patient. They gave it to me again, explained how to get into the building. And we got into the building, and the staff there are the nicest as can be. Nice. And they're not just there to, like, just to ask you your information, you know, before you know, we're having a small talk over one or two other items or topics. Even the doctor performed the ultrasound on me. Extremely friendly. Explains to me what's on the screen during the, the ultrasound test. Oh, really? the Different colors. And Did you ask explain- him? Yeah, I asked him, what's the red mean? What does the blue mean? Extremely nice. Made you feel so relaxed and comfortable. Every lab, every medical office should be like this. I bet they talked about you when you left. I hope they did. <laughs> I, what a pain in the ass. You had to know what every fucking thing on the monitor <laughs> No, it was really... I mean, and Stephen was with me, too. He was with me the whole time for it. Yeah, okay. So, like I said, it was it was an extremely gratifying experience. Good for you. You know? So, that was my anti-gripe of the week. Any, uh, uh... No, there's no word about your carotid artery. No, I won't hear about that until tomorrow. Hopefully. I can't find this fucking album. That's all right. What is your gripe of the week, sir? I have to say, I'll tell you what. I'll be honest. Be honest. I... 
have never managed people. Okay. Like, it's not, that's not entirely true, but the the job I have now, I'm like literally staffing and managing people. Right. And I tell you what, it's hard. Being a manager <laughs> is hard. It's, it, it's. Because you're it's not responsible hard. for other people's work. It, yes. Yes. And, and what other people do at work. Yep. And what other people say and what they and say. And you to have to answer for all of this. Each other at work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, I'm too old. <laughs> you're too old to be a manager? I'm too, no, I'm too old to start all over again. I'm too old to do this this job. <laughs> no, that's, that's not true. That's not, I'm not, I, I started don't... over again five years ago when I got fired from my last job and I started off on my own. Right. I had no choice. I had to start you had over. To, you had to, and, and I'm very grateful. And I, I, you know, there are parts of me that are really enjoying this job. Well, good. But it's just, it's the... <sighs> When I when I had otherwise managed people, if you want to consider directing musicals as right. managing people, which yeah. I suppose you could, stage managing, touring shows, which is you could certainly say is managing people. There was less surprise, okay, from the from the staffs. I guess I, I it was it it was less curveballs. I guess it's because you know the script, you know what you're going to do, and you got day to day at something like what I'm doing now is different. Yeah. You know, you're, you're at other people's. I, that's not good. Okay. The whole thing I just did was not good. I, yeah. The job is, the job is, is, was, you know what? It was a really, really rough weekend. Okay. Too. Well, yeah, you had 11 shows in four days. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that was a lot to do. The bitches drank me out of wine. Oh my God. Yes. Wow. Coming to see the Jungle Book. Oh, well, I don't blame them. It's a kid's show. Yeah. I want some wine too. Can I have a peanut in a cab? Can I have a peanut in a cab? Can I have a peanut in a cab? Oh, that's a riot. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, but on the other hand, it's a lot of fun dealing with people. Like, it's a lot like the bartending was. Okay. Okay. But now I'm in charge of buying that shit, stocking it, (laughs) scheduling me. You were much happier as an independent contractor. Yeah, it was easier to just let somebody else deal with it. <laughs> but uh, like I say, I, I'm grateful for it, and I'm I'm uh, ha- happy to do it. It's just something I've never done before, and I I keep tripping. Yeah, that's, that happens. <laughs> and that's my gripe is I just keep tripping at this. So we'll see what happens, but uh, that's my gripe. Really, right. that's a good gripe. <laughs> <laughs> move on to the conclusion of our show. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about. I almost had a Karen moment at work. Oh? Yeah. But I ruined it. How did you ruin it? By, I don't know. She I'm sorry, is this decaffeinated, this decaffeinated coffee is old. No, it's not. I made it 20 minutes ago. And like the other people in the room looked at me. (laughs) There's no way that's old. I mean, you may not like it, but it's not old. I made that 20 minutes ago. I brewed that pot of coffee. (laughs) Oh, well, no matter what I do to it, I can't get it light enough. What is she doing to it? <laughs> a. And did you try adding milk? Yeah, that'll usually do it. You know, you, uh, if you want me to dump some of it out so you have more room to make it, I mean. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, but it, it. I think I stopped it in its tracks with my reaction. Okay. Which was, there's no way that coffee's old. I know it's not old. I made it myself. <laughs> I, and I think that put a stop to it. And I was, it wasn't until the next day I realized, fuck, that could have been like 
my Karen moment. <laughs> the videotape didn't ever Yeah, didn't but it, it, I don't want to be in the... I don't want to be a player in the... I want to witness it. Yeah, you don't want to be the, uh, the receiving end of it while you're filming. It. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be involved. <laughs> I want to be the guy at the, in the store who's secretly videotaping. Yeah. That's who I want to be. That's the kind of sighting I want. But uh, yeah, I came close. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Hoping that if I throw Karen out there, it'll manifest. Yes. Uh, that's about it. Okay. In that case, we want to thank our producer, Stephen Prendergast, who actually brought in a fresh new box of chocolate chip cookies for us. Well, why did he have to get a fresh new box of chocolate chip cookies? Because I consumed the other box of them over a course of three days. Okay. <laughs> also, we had said we were starting on Wednesdays this week, but that turned out to be incorrect. We are actually starting on Wednesdays next week. Does that affect them at all? I have no idea. Listening people? It may. It may not. I doubt it, but we'll let them know anyway. Will it be still available on Fridays like it has been? Yes, it will be. Okay. But maybe they want to hear Tuesday's birthdays, and now they're going to hear Wednesday's birthdays instead. I can't imagine anybody giving any kind of fuck about that. I can't. You'd be surprised. Oh, my God. Tuesday birthdays? I don't want to hear Tuesday birthdays. Unfollow. Unsubscribe. Anyway, our episodes can be found at various podcast providers. They can also be found on our website, www.grumpyoldgameandtheirdogs.com. You're never going to make it sound sexy. <laughs> no, I know. You're, you're, you're just not. <laughs> also, for each of our episodes, we have bonus material, which we provide links to various clips of the things we talked about. Mm. That's also on our website. <laughs> Hope we're not keeping you up. <laughs> did I do that out loud? Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough weekend. I guess so. I'm tired. I said it at the beginning. Well, we're almost at the end. Okay. And lastly, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter, where we have our daily post for Jazz Appreciation Month. Yeah, we're going to get to uh, Michael Michael Feinstein. Maybe. If oh, if hold on. If his birthday comes up on one of the days that we're recording. Yeah, if he was lucky enough to be born on a Wednesday. No, that's who That's who played the album. Oh, okay. Feinstein? So now you're amending your... I'm amending Your five it. favorites yeah, to include Michael yeah. Feinstein. Uh, I you're think You're dropping so. the unknown missing Oscar Levant. Levant. Yeah. <laughs> Feinstein. Feinstein. Gershwin. Let's okay. See. Let's just see. Let's just see. Okay. If I'm right, this will right. be right. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Michael Feinstein, Gershwin, country. No, 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 no. Not country. No. Never country. Oh, my God. No. It's like country music. Hold on. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm just shopping. Still looking. no sign of land. How no, long is Still it? no sign of land. No, not at all. Okay. It's not here. It's not up at the top. So. Good. So you wasted more of my time. I then. wasted more of your time. <laughs> ain't, that, ain't that some shit? Right. God, he has his face on every album cover he has. Of course. It's a nice face, but yes, it is. Jesus Christ. Anyway, I think this brings us to the conclusion of our show. You want to say, have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next week. Bye, bitches.